This is Ham College, Episode 103, for July 28, 2023. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. From base stations to portable models, ICOM has the best radio for working your favorite bands this summer. Whether outside enjoying sunny skies or inside by the AC, stay cool with ICOM. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Ham College. I'm Professor Thomas. And I'm Dean Martin. And we've got some questions tonight. Do we have any answers? Well. Correct answers. i got Radio Shack on my shirt, so we've probably got some somewhere. I've got the swag tonight. You do. Tommy's going to strike a pose after a while when we give away his shirt. What did we talk about on the last episode? Do you recall? I played hooky last time. You did. You didn't talk about anything. Nope. I, I did join for a few minutes in, from the car. My son was driving, but I didn't have great signals, so I didn't, wasn't able to stay long enough. Yeah. But I think I may know. It could have been modulation and demodulation. Modulation methods, modulation index and deviation ratio, frequency and time deviation multiplexing, orthogonal frequency division multiplexing. I mean, I'm thinking it could have been something to do with some of that. Well, based on, if it was that, what should we talk about this time? Uh, I don't know. I think we should go to digital, uh, digital communication modes, information rates, bandwidth, error correction type stuff. Okay. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Seems like the next logical step. I don't know, off the top of my head. I think so. I think that'll work anyway. Being as to, um, that's what the questions are on tonight. Oh, well, that's a lucky guess on my part then, wasn't it? It was pretty lucky. (laughs) Who's going to take the first question tonight? I don't remember. Uh, Go ahead and hit me. I might as well go ahead and take one for the team right off the bat, man. Okay. Feeling kind of generous. (laughs) All right. Well, let's see. You might actually know the answer to this one right here. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe not. You know, we'll we'll find out here. By the way, uh, if you're watching live, well, we've got the YouTube chat room going on there at the same time. You have to subscribe to be able to chat in the chat room. Um, yeah, you have to. You have to be subscribed for a few minutes. So if you if you're not subscribed. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, do it, and then, and I think it's like five or ten minutes or something, and then you'll be able to access the chat. Yeah, that was just the easiest way, or probably about the only way for us to kind of keep the spam bots and stuff down on there. And really, we don't have any problem with that now. You know, it's a oh yeah, good yeah, group of folks in there. If you're watching the recorded version, well, the chat room's gone, so uh, and so is the live stream. So is the live stream, but. We're keeping an eye over there on it and looking for the answers and see what these guys think. How is forward error correction implemented? A, 
by the receiving station repeating each block of three data characters? B, by transmitting a special algorithm to the receiving station along with the data characters. C, by transmitting extra data that may be used to detect and correct transmission errors. Or D, by varying the frequency shift of the transmitted signal according to a predefined algorithm. That sounds pretty pretty technical. Uh, but I think I do know the answer to this one. At least I'm pretty sure I do, because I remember some of this from uh, modem days from a long time ago. But I think it's uh, forward error correction is by C, by transmitting extra data that may be used to to detect and correct transmission errors. That's what uh, folks in the chat room are saying. I went straight for the kill on that one. No, uh, no beating around the bush on those other yeah, ones. I, I told you you would, you would know this well, one. Well, you hadn't hit the thing yet. Well, no, I hadn't. I'm agreeing with you. Oh. So, yeah, I think it is. A safe. few of these I think will probably be fairly easy, but I'm pretty sure some of them won't be. There. Let's just go ahead, go just ahead in case. It. Yeah. Might be the last one of those tonight. Nah. Well, might be. No, probably not. You know, in reality, radio propagation can suffer from disruptions caused by a lot of different problems like noise, multipath, fading, static. You know, all those things will wipe out a signal you're trying to receive, and you'll lose data if if you're sending data back and forth. First thing you got to do before you can do error correction would be, what do you think? Before you can correct an error. Yeah, I know there is one. See, I like the way you think there. (laughs) Error detection. There's a lot of different types or several different types of error detection. Uh, The first one we're going to mention here, and there's really no need for me to mention this other than it's just interesting because it's not going to be so much um, in the questions tonight, but old school parody bit. You might remember that from your old modem days when we had yeah. things like 8N1 to remember. Yeah. And all such as that. Non-parity and parity memory chips. Yep. A parity bit or a check bit is a bit added to a string of binary codes. Parity bits are a simple form of error detecting code. They're generally applied to the smallest unit of communication protocol, typically an 8-bit octolet. Or byte, although they can also be applied separately to an entire message string of bits. The parity bit ensures that the total number of ones bits in a string is even or odd. There are two variants of parity bits, even parity bit and odd parity bit. In the case of even parity, for a given set of bits, the bits whose value is one are counted. If the bit count is odd, the parity bit is set to one making the total count of occurrences of ones in the whole string, including the parity bit, an even number. Okay, there's a key, including the parity bit. If the count of ones in a given set of bits is already even, the value of the parity bit is zero. In the case of odd parity, coding's reverse for a given set of bits. If the count of bits with the one value is even, the parity bit is set to one, making the total count of ones in the whole set, including the parity bit, an odd number. 
and so on and so forth on that. Parity bit is only suitable for detecting errors. It can't correct any errors, and there's no way to determine which of the bits was corrupted. The data must be discarded and retransmitted from scratch. There is a limitation to the parity bit schemes, though. What do you think that might be? I mean, I guess... We're only looking at the the uh, sum if they're odd or even. So. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't tell you it's exactly right. Yeah, a parity bit is on, broad check. only guaranteed to detect an odd number of bit errors. If an even number of bit errors have occurred, the parity bit records the correct number of ones, even though the data is corrupt. Uh, another type of error detection is a CRC, cyclic or cyclic redundancy, redundancy check. check. That's used by Packet Radio, the AX.25 protocol, TCPIP, Ethernet, and other systems. If the CRC of received packet equals the CRC of the transmitted packet, the whole packet is assumed to be error-free. And using CRC will catch most errors. Then we go into error correction. What do you think the simplest form of error correction is? Resend it. There you go. It's a ARQ, automatic repeat request. If the receiver receives a signal, if it gets the whole thing or it thinks it does, it's going to send an ACK, A-C-K, which means OK. If it doesn't, if it suspects an error, it's going to send a NAC, N-A-K, to request a repeat. So that works. That'll correct an error. Yeah. As long as you can get it through on the second, third, or fourth time, once it gets really bad, Four times uh, out. yeah, you know, you, your transmission is going to take longer. It has to keep resending the whole thing. So there's another type of error correction that is, we use it a lot these days, forward error correction. And that's what you were just talking about right there. It works by sending some extra data along with the content of the packet or packets in the transmission, the receiving station can use this data to correct some types of errors. Reed Solomon, Hamming, BCH, and Golay are commonly used types of forward error correction, hmm. or FEC. Although the redundant data or extra data makes the amount of the data transmissions larger, this may actually save time by not requiring the entire transmission to be repeated. Digitized voice transmissions use forward error correction. This is why they sound pretty good up until the point that the error correction fails and the voices become horribly garbled, or <laughs> which you know, a lot of people on D-Star call R2-D2. And, yeah, you know, really, digitized voice communications would be impractical without forward error correction, I think. Yeah. Because... You know, a lot of that data is not getting through, and by by doing forward error correction, we've got the extra bits there that we can make up for where we missed certain bits in there. If we had to wait and resend the packet, I mean, you'd have a bunch of stuttering and stopping, you know, trying to get the whole transmission we, and through. You, we've all heard that before. We have. Different, different digital modes. Yeah. So well, that's the reason you don't hear it so much on, uh, like, D-Star or probably Fusion or DMR. 
However, you do hear the garble when when the system just breaks down altogether. That's pretty interesting stuff. Pretty interesting stuff. So if you're yeah. getting garbage on your screen, be sure and check your Procom settings. Yes. Procom Plus. Procom Plus. Yep. Unless you're using, uh, I can't remember the other one. What else was big? I don't know. I was trying to remember a while ago. Yeah. That's, that's been a couple of years. I don't remember. Yeah, it's been more than that. All right, you got a question? Windows term. Got one for me? I do have one for you right here. It's a good one, too. What is the definition of symbol rate in a digital transmission? A, the number of control characters in a message packet. B, the duration of each bit in a message sent over the air. C, the rate at which the waveform changes to convey information. Or D, the number of characters carried per second by the station-to-station link. Oh, I think I might know this one, too. What is the definition of symbol rate in a digital transmission? Okay. Hey, the number of control characters. Now, B, the duration of each bit in a message sent over the air. Let me go through the rest. C, the rate at which the waveform changes to convey information. Or D, the number of characters carried per second by the station-to-station link. Symbol rate. I'm going to say that is the rate at which the waveform changes to convey information. I see you shaking your head over there. Well, that's what I think it is, too. I'm pretty okay. sure. A little mix in the chat room. They're thinking it's C or D, and yeah. Well, it, it is it, probably C or D, yeah. so they're right. Yeah. Let's see. I see what you did there. Yep. I see what you did there. I saw it. Hey, does that, since I got it right. Yeah, you do. You get yeah. one. There you go. Okay, that'll be it for the you get them, man. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think a, a symbol is? A very... Um, Basic type would be like a CW, the dits and dies, the mm-hmm. dots and dashes that we send are all symbols. Yeah. A dit would be a symbol. A die would be a symbol. But, you know, in most letters, it takes more than one of those to make a character. So, yeah. like, if you're going to send a S, dit, 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 you have to send three symbols. So, you know... a uh, the symbol rate and character rate are not necessarily the same. Yeah. There's, it could only really be uh, two characters that would be the same as the symbol rate. A single dit or a single dot. So it depends on the protocol. Well, the protocol I'm talking about here is CW. I know, but I'm just but it will. If, it was, if we were talking about ASCII, I guess it would really depend on how many... Yeah, it depends on. Yeah, I guess you see where I'm going there. Yeah, yeah, I see where you're going, but maybe uh, you can shine the light because I'm kind of lost. Well, I'm just the best I could give you was an example of the CW there because that's pretty obvious on that one. Yeah, beyond that, it gets um, a little harder to see. But I I don't want to give away too much. Maybe we'll. Go ahead, give away too much. No, I can't do that at this point. My memory's not that good anyway. Why should phase shifting 
of a PSK signal be done at the zero crossing of the RF signal? A, to minimize bandwidth. B, to simplify modulation. C, to improve carrier suppression. Or D, all these choices are correct. Why should phase shifting of a PSK signal be done at the zero crossing of the RF signal? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be D. Because the three of those together don't seem like that would be a logical answer. Improved carrier suppression? I don't think so. Uh, simplify modulation. I don't, the only one that seems logical is A. But I don't, I don't know the answer for sure, though. I, but I think it would be A based off of the four that are up there. A little mixed. Um, it, judging in the chat room there, but I'm going to agree with you. To minim- A, to minimize bandwidth. Yeah. be accurate. And it is. If you shift the phase when it's at zero crossing, when the signal is crosses over the zero line, you're not going to be shifting the bandwidth as much as if you were at a peak or a dip on the waveform there. What techniques minimize the bandwidth of a PSK31 signal? A, zero-sum character encoding. B, Reed Solomon character encoding. C, use of sinusoidal, probably said that wrong, data no, pulses. You said it right. D, use of trapezoidal data pulses. What technique minimizes the bandwidth of a PSK31 signal? A, zero-sum character encoding. No. B, Reed Solomon character encoding. No. D, use of a trapezoidal data pulses. Now, C, use of sinusoidal data pulses. And that's going to be my answer. I'm going to say yeah, C. That's, that's basically what we talked about with the zero crossing. No. No, it's not, it's not what they're trying to say there. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I know that's what you're trying to say. Uh, chat room's a little mixed on this one, too. I don't know if it's which is right anyway for sure, but it is C. It is is that use of a sinusoidal data pulse. You know that's the purest waveform we got. Yeah. So it's going to transmit cleaner. Right. And the previous question was it wasn't worded exactly the same. But it wasn't. No, but it was talking about something different. It was talking about. It didn't say if it was a sine wave or not that you were transmitting. No, it said zero crossing. Zero crossing. But I saw it in my head as a sine wave. Well, I think I drew it on the screen as a sine wave, but it could have been a square wave. Shouldn't have been, but uh, could have been. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No way, man. Why? What is the approximate bandwidth of a 13-word-per-minute international Morse code transmission? A, 13 hertz. B, 26 hertz. C, 52 hertz. Or D, 104 hertz. 
I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look at this because I'm. That's, that may not help you much. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, then I'll put it back down then. Well, it might help you. I, mean, I don't know. Well, there is actually a formula to, that you can use to figure that out, but if you don't know it, it's not going to help you on this one. I don't, I don't know it. Yet. You will, I have a feeling. But I don't think it's 104 hertz. That seems kind of a lot. I'm thinking it's going to be either 26 or 52. 13 words a minute. That's 52 times per second. I'm gonna I'm yeah. guess I'm guessing C, but I don't I don't really know. So I went for the middle one and okay. I don't I don't really know. You don't know how you sure. got there. I That's yeah, just... it was a wag. <laughs> <laughs> um, little mix in the chat room. Most of them said C. Was it right? It is. But how how do you calculate it? I'm glad you asked. Well, I'd like to know. We're talking about in this particular example CW bandwidth. It's the baud rate times the k factor so oh. what would be the baud rate how would you figure out what the baud rate you were sending 13 words per minute but how many baud is that well, words per minute times 0.8 so if you're sending 13 words per minute 13 times 0.8 that tells us we're 10.4 baud okay okay and then the rest of that formula is the K-factor. ITU decided for HF frequencies, that should be a 5. Why? Because that's what they said. Oh, because they said so. There you go. <laughs> now you get That sounds it. like my dad. Yeah. But why? Because I said so. <laughs> All right, so we take our baud rate of 10.4 times 5, 52. And that's that's exactly what you and, were and thinking. And that's what I, I've, I've worked that out in my head. Yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. Um, if you take away the ones that you don't think are it and you split the difference, you kind of be getting close. Yeah. According to Ed, that is the special K factor. Special okay. Yeah. I'll buy that. We got one more here. That um, was pretty close to being a buzzer right there. I probably by rights should have got a buzzer off of it. But I, I did not know the answer. It was a guess. Yeah, you should have. You should have got a buzzer on that one. I'll get one on this one you to think? make up for that. Okay. There's a good chance. What is the bandwidth of a 170 hertz shift, 300 baud ASCII transmission? A, 0.1 hertz. B, 0.3 kilohertz. C, 0.5 kilohertz. Or D, one kilohertz. What is the bandwidth of a 170 hertz shift, 300 baud ASCII transmission? Well, I know what the answer is, but I can't explain it without... Does the first part even really matter? Yeah, both of them matter. Actually. And... uh, we got some of those ITU fellas messing around with this one, too, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because they said so? Because they said so. We got a special case. Well, I was going to guess it's B because of 300 baud, but I, I really don't know the answer yeah. to this one either. Well, I happen to know the answer 
But if it ain't B, just, I don't get a buzzer off of it, just, just for the record. Because I remember the answer, not... Not because you know it? Not because I can cipher it out in my head well, like you just did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say it's C, 0.5 kilohertz or 500 hertz. What is the chat room saying? C, C. B. Wow. No, I don't see any Bs. You don't? Oh, yeah, I see one, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and uh, only a few are answering. Not everybody's answering on these. So. Yeah, I don't blame them. Let's. Let's look at the answer. It is C. Okay. Well, I would have got a buzzer on that one, too, then. So how would you arrive at that? You would use a formula with a special K. However, it's not the same special K you had before. No, it's not a 5. No, it's not. For frequency shift keying, the bandwidth is calculated by your K factor times the shift in hertz plus the baud rate. And in this case, since it's FSK instead of CW, our K is going to be 1.2. To a nearby calculator, it's 1.2 times times what, 170 hertz? 170 hertz. And then we're going to add the baud rate to it, which was 300. Comes up with 504. Hmm. Well, that was kind of tough, those last two. I about worked up a sweat on that one, man. What do you say we take a quick break so you and I can turn on the air conditioner? Sounds good. And we'll get a message from ICOM and be right back. From base stations to portable models, ICOM has the best radio for working your favorite bands this summer. Whether outside enjoying sunny skies or inside by the A.C., stay cool with ICOM. It's time again for the world's friendliest ham fest. The Huntsville Ham Fest will be held Saturday and Sunday, August 19th and 20th in Van Braun Center's South Hall in Huntsville, Alabama. ICOM will be there, so come find us and see our newest ham innovations. And this year, Huntsville Ham Fest has given away an IC705 to one lucky attendee. Hope to see you there. Explore the world of microwave with ICOM's new SHF Portable, the IC905. This all-mode rig covers 2 meters, 70 centimeters, 1.2 gigahertz, 2.4 gigahertz, 5.6 gigahertz, and with an optional CXG10 transverter, 10 gigahertz. This transceiver also has a few industry firsts up its belt. It's the first to support the five major global bands from VHF to SHF. The first power over Ethernet powered RF module designed to be at the base of the antenna to eliminate signal loss and the first to be compatible with amateur TV in analog FM mode. Other features include large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, easy digital mode settings, supplied high-performance GPS antenna, full D-Star functions for DV and DD mode, and an SD card slot. Aim higher and enter the world of SHF. The ICOM IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. This is the radio that chains away entry-level HF has designed. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, 
large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. The real HF fun starts here. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This radio brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. The IC9700 is an all-mode transceiver loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. Expect top performance on field day with ICOM's IC9700. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. This high-performance SDR can pick out faint signals in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM 7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that's changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR independent dual receiver, and dual digi-cell. For more information about all the great ICOM radios, visit icomamerica.com amateur. What do you say we give away something? The shirt off my back? That, well... One like it, maybe. Oh, maybe I guess that would I should be have better. got the shirt out. I'll just, I'll just model. All right. Going to give away a nice Icom hand crew T-shirt, not unlike the one that I have on. Yep, and you'll look just as good leaving the ham fest as you did when you got there if you're wearing one of those. Heck yeah! Couldn't say that any better myself. So, how would someone win your shirt? It's quite easy, really. Uh, to be considered in the drawing, or have your name in the drawing, all you've got to do is send an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv. You don't have to be licensed. All you need is a name and a shirt size and a place for the icon to mail your yeah. shirt. And you don't you don't have to send us your shirt size right now. No, icon. but you need one, yeah. though. We'll be in touch to get that. You will, you'll, you'll want one, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just uh, just send us an email with your name. And if you want to put a note on there, that's fine. If you don't want to, that's fine too. And you'll be in the drawing for the next uh, next one. If you if you were in, entered in the drawing and you did not win, send your entry back in for the next month because we clear the queue out after each drawing. Yeah. So it'll be a ham crew T-shirt plus whatever else Jesse can stuff in the box. We got a winner during the break there. Chicken dinner. We did a random drawing out of the entries received. And the winner is Les Jones, K9LJJ. Les said, please enter me in the drawing for the hat and T-shirt. Thanks for your show. And it's done so much to help me learning. So, well, Congratulations, Les. Congratulations, yeah. ICOM will be in touch with you shortly. And uh, Jess will be getting a prize package out to you. What oh, is the yeah. bandwidth of a 4,800 hertz frequency shift 9,600 baud ASCII FM transmission? This is practically giving it away to you. <laughs> it's not, because I didn't write down the formula. <laughs> a, 15.36 kilohertz. B, 9.6 kilohertz. C, 4.8 kilohertz. Or D, 5.76 kilohertz. The bandwidth of a 4,800 kilohertz frequency shift, 9,600 baud ASCII FM transmission. Everybody knows that's A, 15.36 kilohertz. 
I, I don't know, man. I, I need the formula back. You know, you're one lucky fella tonight not no, to know anything. No, that is not right. You, you've memorized Well, it's that. high numbers. I, don't, I, I really don't know, man. I guess in that. <laughs> is it A? No, it is not. Yeah. I'm going to buy a lottery ticket when I leave here. It is A. <laughs> there is no way. Yeah. Uh, a and B in the chat room, a little mixed on that. There's I, no way that's A. Why? I, I, I swear it was just a stab in the dark. I, I figured that this uh, 4,800 kilohertz and 96 on your ball, it was going to be a higher number. So that's what I picked. Well, let's cipher it out real quick. I think we can do that. I'm going to write the formula down this time, but that's probably the last one of yeah. those, isn't it? The frequency shift keying the bandwidth <laughs> is going to be the speed or the baud rate. And that baud rate was what? Is 4,800? Yep. Times 1.2, and then add the bald rate. Just like you did in your head a while ago. I know. I don't know what took you so long. I got a lot faster than that. It's, um... I I, I promise you, I did not memorize that. I, it was just a guess. It was just 8-bit windows over here is what got me. Oh, I had yeah. a bad parity bit in there. It happens. How does ARQ accomplish error correction? A, special binary codes provide automatic correction. B, special polynomial codes provide automatic correction. C, if errors are detected, redundant data is substituted. D, if errors are detected, a retransmission is requested. How does ARQ accomplish error correction? Well, ARQ stands for Automatic Repeat Request. So I'm just going to go straight for the kill. It's if errors are detected, a retransmission is requested. No beating around the bush on that one. No. And that's what they're saying over in the chat room is D. So there we go. D it is. I would have concurred with that one. Okay, this next one picked uh, out specially for you because I know you know the answer to it. Five. There's no calculator needed. Good. Which digital code allows only one bit to change between sequential code values? A, binary coded decimal code. The extended binary coded decimal interchange code. C, <laughs> C excess three code. Or D, gray code. Well, it's all kind of gray to me. Binary coded decimal code. That doesn't even make sense to me. I don't even know what that is. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It means I don't know what it is. Extended binary coded decimal interchange code. Excess three code. I've never heard of any of those. I have heard of gray code before. I'm going with D. I don't think it's A, B, or C. Once again, your superior reasoning capabilities <laughs> there. Well, have you ever heard of those first That's three? Totally redeemed you. Uh, I can't say that I have. No. Yeah, me either. I have heard great code. I've seen a reference to it somewhere. 
Well, I don't know exactly what it is. Use, Apparently, it's switch digital code allows one bit to change between sequential code values. So explain Apparently. here. I, I got a know. photo. I don't explain to us what's the deal there. What is the deal? That's three-bit gray code. What what the deal is, you want me to explain it? Yes. Which digital code only allows um, one bit to change between sequential code values? Gray code. If we look at binary code there, a zero decimal is zero, zero, zero binary. Yeah. A one decimal is 001. Two is 010. Three is... Oh, one, one. So on those, you see, we're only changing one bit each time. The The binary number only changes by one bit. But look at number four there. A, a four decimal is 100 binary, one, zero, zero. So we changed two bits there. The first bit position changed. Actually, we changed all three bits. And the second two positions change. So instead of 011, we've got 100. So we changed three bits there. You see who I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, it's going to increase the bandwidth if we change by more than one bit, is what they're saying there. Look at uh, number 5, 101 for binary. So we only changed one bit there, but you can see some decimal codes, when you convert them to binary in sequential order, they're changing more than one bit. But if you look yeah. at the gray code, for each decimal increment we go up, we're only changing one of the bits. Yeah, so, I, see th I see that. It'd be more efficient if you want to count from 0 through 7. Yeah. But I'm not sure what else it'd be efficient for, but... Uh, Take their word for it. How may data rate be increased without increasing bandwidth? A, it's impossible. B, increasing analog-to-digital conversion resolution. C, using a more efficient digital code. Or D, using forward error correction. Increasing bandwidth. How may data rate be increased without increasing bandwidth? Hmm. Well... It won't well, be D, sense. using forward error correction. That's not going to um, increase your data rate. You're actually sending more. Uh, a, it is impossible. No, I think it is possible. So it's either B or C. Increasing analog to digital conversion resolution. No. I don't. I mean, I think that would make it a higher data rate of anything. C using a more efficient digital code. That's going to be your answer. Like Z modem instead of Y modem. Uh, yeah, I'm not X modem. Uh, yeah, X or Y. Remember yeah. Y modem? Yep. One K Y modem. They're saying C over in the chat room, so I feel good about that answer. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense to me. That's what I would have chosen. Okay. What is the relationship between symbol rate and baud? 
Oh, a, this was they are the same. B, bought is twice the symbol rate. C, symbol rate is only used for packet-based modes. D, BOD is only used for RTTY. The relationship between symbol rate and data rate, they are the same. So that is going to be A. That's not what the... Symbol rate and BOD, I'm sorry. What is the relationship between symbol rate and BOD? A. They're the same. They're the same. I'm going to agree with you. They're the same. As a matter of fact, I got, got something. Some to do? Not much. <laughs> I do have a couple of sentences. Symbol rate refers to the rate at which a waveform changes in order to transmit information. Bald rate and symbol rate are the same. One bald equals one symbol transmitted every second. One baud equals one symbol transmitted every okay. second. I'll buy that. So that means 9,600 baud would mean 9,600 symbols. symbols sent in a second. That's, That's like why it sounds pretty funny smoking. when you do in the negotiation when you're connecting your modem to the bulletin board. Yeah. What factors affect the bandwidth of a transmitted CW signal? A, IF bandwidth and Q. B, modulation index and output power. C, keen speed and shape factor, rise and fall time. Or D, all these choices are correct. What factors affect the bandwidth of a transmitted CW signal? A, IF bandwidth and Q. Um, no, because we're talking about a transmitted signal, not a received signal, so I don't think IF is, um, I don't think that even comes into play on the transmitted signal. I think that's for a received thing. B, modulation index and output power. No. Um... So it can't be D. C, keen speed and shape factor, the rise and fall times. That's going to be my answer right there. Yep, that seems like the logical one. Yep. That's got to be it. And it is. And I wish I had a picture to explain that, but um, basically... The shape factor, the f the keying speed, the, the faster you key, the uh, faster the rise and fall times of, of your transmissions. You know, you turn the transmitter on and off. You're interrupting a carrier to send CW. Send a dip, and, you know, it just sends a little blip there. You send a die, it's a little longer. So... When you're increasing the speed, rather than, say, transmitting what might be sort of like a sine wave signal, as you increase the speed, those rise and fall times are going to make that look more like maybe a square wave or something. 
And you know, a square wave has a lot of harmonics to it. A sine wave doesn't. So the closer we stay to a, a, a pure waveform, the less bandwidth we're going to use because we're not transmitting extra harmonics or, um, or, or garbage with the signal. Uh, if we increase the speed, yeah, it's going to increase the harmonic some, so um, it's going to affect your bandwidth some. Just the, just the you know how quick the signal's being turned on and off. Well, I guess that's going to do it for tonight. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, let's get out of here. Actually, yeah, actually, I'm looking forward to going to Huntsville. Um, if you're not, if you don't have an Icom swag like this, yeah, go enter. And you wanted some other swag? Where could you find some of that? Well, there is a so place maybe some ham that you could find that. Now, if you wanted to find the Icom swag, though, let let me suggest again, like we did earlier, just send us an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic TV. You really don't have to say anything in the message. You you can give us a message, though, but. Uh, all we need is an email from you, and we'll enter you in the drawing. Yeah, your emails are cleared out of the queue after that. Only one that gets sent to ICOM is the one, the winner, and then the rest of them are deleted. We don't keep them. Nobody gets them, so yep. they're not harvested for anything. You won't get any email from us, nothing. But if if you want to put the odds in your favor of having clothes to wear... <laughs> <laughs> I suggest wearing some kind of clothes. Yeah. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash amateurlogics where you can find the amateurlogic swag. And ham college swag. And ham college they're, swag. They're both on there. Yep. Both flavors of swag. We got uh, a little bit of everything in there. If you come to Huntsville, you got the swag. Uh, where where you swag represent and get a picture with us when yeah. you see you. I'll have mine on. Sure. Yep. George will have his. And throughout the month. If you'd like to catch up and see what's going on in the community, well, you can join us at one of our social media areas there, facebook.com slash groups slash hamcollege. You can follow us at hamcollege on Twitter. Or is that on X? Yes, it's on Twitter or X. Or, I don't know if you're on an iPhone or Android right now. Yeah. I, I haven't tried x.com, but I guess that resolves to it. Uh, you can also join our groups.io group, groups.io slash g slash amateur logic. Well, with that, I guess I'm going to say 7-3. and yep. uh, 7-3. Boys, try to stay in the shade and in the air conditioning as much as possible. Yeah, don't sit inside with the air off like we do. Yeah. We're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> we're amateurs. All right. 7-3. 7-3, everybody. Good night.